Yes, Jesus, we join with all of heaven and all creation this morning, and we say to you that you and you alone are holy. Far above and beyond all rulers, principalities, and dominions, King Jesus, you and you alone reign. And so our hands are open. Matter of fact, every campus, if you could just put your hands out in front of you in a posture of receiving. Father, look upon your church today. And would you hear our request to pour out your Holy Spirit? Convict where you need to convict. Comfort where there's comfort needed. Pour out your healing. Pour out salvation today, God. We are not here to do church. We are here to be with you, to encounter your presence, and to leave changed. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and take a seat at every campus. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I just first, just testimony of God's faithfulness to us um, today is that it hit 60 degrees this week. And I need the saints who are ready for the oppression of darkness to lift and for the joy and the light of spring to fall upon his creation to say amen. Amen. Christmas is done. Happy New Year. Let's move on. You know what I'm saying? My name is Meredith. I'm on the teaching team, and I hate winter. Thank you for coming. Today is going to be a very special day. I need to go ahead and give you a heads up. I am like, (sighs) women, give me an amen this morning, okay? Uh, Some of you are going to watch this, especially on other campuses, and be like, Meredith looks tired, and I'm just not wearing eye makeup, okay? And... Women know that whenever you don't wear makeup, people are like, are you tired? And you're like, no, this is just my normal face. (laughs) So I need you to know, this is just my normal face. But I woke up at 4 a.m. this morning already crying because I'm desperate for God to work through this message. I am very aware it is not by might, it is not by power. I cannot preach good enough to convince you of anything. So I'm coming today with like, I'm telling you, this word has been like stirring in my heart to get out. Jeremiah says it's like a fire burning in his bones. He can't help but to get it out. That's how I feel today. So this is what my face looks like. This is what I feel like. And some of you are all like, man, we just got started with the message. I just need you to know what you're in for. My hand is shaking. Part of that's because I've had nothing to eat and a lot of coffee. Part of it is because it's the Holy Spirit. And I'm saying, come with me today. If I believe, which I do, that the power of the word of God has the ability to open blind eyes, to soften hardened hearts, and to pour out salvation, then I'm not going to come up here and just speak like there's something pretty and light to talk about. I'm going to try to preach like there's actually power behind it. Are y'all good? Are y'all with me? Let's get into it then. All right. We are going to be in 1 John today. Come on, iPad, don't do this to me. Not by might, not by power, not by iPad, but by the Spirit of God. Okay, we're gonna be in 1 John today, but I want us to start actually by making sure we're all on the same page, and I wanna ask a question. Do y'all know why we read, study, and preach the Bible? Like maybe it's been a while since you've come to church, or maybe you just need reminding today of... Nobody on the teaching team at this church, at least, is coming up to preach to just be like, hope it's a good one. That's not the reason. 
It's because we believe 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, which says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We read the word, we study the word, we preach the word so that we may encounter God and we may be changed. My prayer today is not even that you would leave and be like, man, that was an encouraging message, but that you'd be like, that was a message where I encountered God and he changed me. Because that's what the word of God does. So here's a a prayer I'm just gonna pray over us to get us started today. If you wanna write this down, you can. Even this is a great prayer to pray before you read your Bible at home. Because guess what? God sent us a helper because we needed help. (laughs) So I'm gonna pray this over us today before I even get into the preaching. And it's this, Holy Spirit, open my ears to hear God's living voice through his word so that I may be changed. I'm gonna read this one more time. If you even wanna pray it to the Lord quietly to yourself, one more time, Holy Spirit, open my ears to hear God's living voice through his word so that I may be changed changed. And all God's people said, amen. Alrighty then, let's get into the actual content of the day, shall we? No more delay. All right. So we are in this series, One Another. This morning I had the thought, I wonder if anybody's new to church, reads the little branding and goes, another one. You know what I mean? If you're just not really, no DJ Khaled fans, if you don't know what I'm talking about, God bless you, and don't go look it up. But we've been in this one another series looking at the, we haven't walked through all 59, but zooming in on some of the 59 times in the New Testament where the the writers, the, the teachers, the apostles of that time encourage us to live in a one another reality. And we have those 59 behind us. And we've talked about what it means to serve one another, what it means to honor one another, what it means to live in a one another community inside of the church. But did you know there is one one another that appears in all of these 59 more than any other one another? There's 21 of them, in fact, and it is actually the command to love one another. Over and over and over again in scripture, the apostles, the ones who had encountered the presence of God, who had encountered Jesus Christ, apparently the thing that came out of them more than anything else after they encountered the presence of God was, you know what we are meant to do? Love one another. John, the beloved disciple, which by the way, he wrote about himself, You go read the book of John and you're like, and the one that Jesus loved. It's like, John, you wrote that about yourself, you know? And John gets a lot of like jokes about that, a lot of like hate. But let me tell you what I think about John. Do you remember week one where Brad said, what we have to do is look in the mirror and get God's perspective of how he sees us so that we can walk in right identity? I think what had actually happened to John 
the disciple of Jesus Christ, is that he had taken a long look in the mirror with Jesus and he had gotten a perspective of himself that Jesus Christ spoke over him. The beloved disciple identity is not an identity reserved for John. It was one that he wrote down so that every single disciple who would pick up the name of Jesus and follow him after that could look in the mirror and say, I am a beloved disciple. In 1 John, John says, love one another five times. In the gospel of John, he says, love one another five times. It's because when he looked in the mirror and saw a beloved identity, he could not help himself but to overflow in a love for the world around him. So here's my invitation today, fellow beloved disciple of Jesus Christ, beloved of God, love one another. I don't know if y'all have noticed, but we need a purification, a spirit-led revelation of what love actually is. We live in a culture that has flattened it, depersonalized it, made it selfish and vapid and void. And I believe today that the Holy Spirit is going to breathe new life into a reality of love that is going to change the way we see ourselves and the way we see one another. And we're going to do it all today through one verse. Y'all have heard of John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There's another John 3.16, That's a really good John 3.16, if you ask me, personal opinion. And that is 1 John 3.16, and that is where we're going to be today. And John, our beloved disciple, calls all beloved disciples to look in and to see this. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters. Now, all cards on the table, I added and sisters. It is not an addition to scripture. Other translations have brothers and sisters. If you look at it in the original translation, it means body, brethren. So sisters, we're included, okay? If you just have a physical Bible, I just didn't want you to be like, I knew they added to the word in this church. No, we don't. Sisters are included. Fellow sisters, say hey. Amen. So 1 John 3.16, such a short verse, but there's this commentator I read who said, in 1 John, there's a chapter in every word and a sermon in every letter. That's true of this verse. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Because in this verse, John helps us answer three universal questions. Short verse, hefty sermon. And those three universal questions are, you can write this down, uh, you can take notes in our app, you can take photos if you like. But first, John, partnered with Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, is going to help us answer these three questions today. Number one, what is love? Nice. I heard you. Other campuses, I heard you. One more time. What is love? Yeah. Neighbor, don't hurt me no more. 
Just change it to neighbor. Every song, you know, you just switch around some words, all to the glory of God. You know what I mean? So what is love? Number two, what does real love look like? Hey, if you're of the fused generation, let's see if I can make a song with every one of these. This is real love. Anybody? Oh, oh, oh. If you don't know what that is, come to Fuse. We need volunteers. Okay. I'm being so serious. Some of y'all, that's all you needed to hear. Text 30303. Serve or something. What is it? Text serve to 30303. What does real love look like? And number three, how do we actually love one another? I don't have a song. Leave those up there for a second because I know I'm joking and I'm singing songs, but I need us to understand that this is what the world is trying to answer for us. And it is imperative for us, church, the one, the ones who worship the very source of love to get some spiritual insight today and to stand firm into God's definition and answers to these and not our own. What is love? What does real love look like? How do we actually love one another? Three questions in one verse that are going to be answered for us today. So let's start with number one. What is real love? Well, John answers this by this we know love. By this we know love. Now, Hopefully, you and I all, like, it's understandable that not all loves are created equal, right? But the English language is just a very, it's not the best, okay? Especially Southern English, we try. But it's, with, compared to other languages, it's just we don't have the, like, the expanse of words to be able to describe what love actually means. Because when you say, I love pizza, and then you say, I love my wife, Hopefully, you mean different things. The Super Bowl's coming up. Hopefully, when you say, I love football, and when you say, I love my kids, hopefully, you mean different things. But we only have one word that can encompass what we mean. But you know what I mean when I say it. The Bible was not written in English Some of us may need to know that today. The New Testament was written in Greek. Any Greek scholars in the house? If Dr. Neal is here, he was my professor at Anderson University, a Greek scholar. Well, the New Testament, when John was writing, um, when Paul was writing, these were originally written in Greek. And so they had a diverse array of words to say the one word of love that we have. So I want to reveal to us when John says, by this we know love, what word for love is he using? We have to, if we're going to say, I love you a lot, then we better know what we mean when we say it. So here's the four words in the New Testament that were used for love, okay? Number one is eros. This is romantic love. Somebody today, you need to leave and be like, I eros you, boo. I have so much eros for you, Beth. Just look at Sam Walker later and be like, I eros you, Sam. You're like, that is so uncomfortable. Yeah. Public displays of affection often are, but you know what? Maybe you need a little more of it. So that's one word. Storhe is another word for love. It means familial love. 
mother, father, brother, sister. I store hay my family. Third one, this one will be more familiar, philia. means a deep love between friends. Hello, Philadelphia. That's how you say it in Greek, the original Greek, Philadelphia means a deep love between friends, like I feel ya, my friend Allie. You know what I mean? It's a deep love between friends. And the fourth word for love used in the New Testament is agape, which means sacrificial and selfless love. It is a love that is not looking out for itself. So here's my question. Which one do you think First John uses? Anybody at church today? Hey, you did it! 100 points. Okay, this is the word that is used in 1 John. He says, by this we know real love, it looks like agape. Sacrificial, selfless, not looking out for its own interests. It's the same word agape used in a passage that many of you probably read at your weddings. And I'm not here to ruin your wedding. I'm not here to say it was impure that you read 1 Corinthians 13 at your wedding. I'm just saying when it was written, had nothing to do with the wedding, had everything to do with the body of Christ, the church of believers. So with that agape, with the right definition in mind, let me read 1 Corinthians 13 slowly and directly for us. And I want you to think about, maybe even let the Holy Spirit convict some places. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 says this. Agape is patient and kind. Agape does not envy or boast. Agape is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Agape bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. What is love? That is love. Agape. Now, what does real agape look like? And John continues in that one verse by answering that question for us. He says, he laid down his life for us. And I'm going to be honest, church, this is the part of the message that I've been most nervous about because I'm afraid I'm not going to make it through it. Because I want to say as directly but as lovingly as I can to those who maybe came to church today and you are not yet a believer in Jesus Christ, that you cannot know what real love is unless you have truly beheld the cross of Jesus Christ and the love that was poured out for us where Jesus hung. Beloved of God now, 
It is time for us to make it a daily practice to behold the cross of Jesus Christ and to see again and again and again what real love looks like. To get a revelation, to not be sanitized by our PG versions of a cross that hangs around our neck or is on a steeple on a church, but to truly understand what was happening. Jesus, real flesh, real blood, real selfless, sacrificial agape displayed as he hung on a cross. So what I want to invite you to is I'm about to read a long quote by um, a scholar who has long since been gone named Charles Spurgeon. But I'm inviting us to holy imagination. I'm going to tell you right now, the world and all of its schemes and the enemy who is great at using them is trying to twist our imagination to fear and anxiety, to suspicion, to cynicism. But what I am asking is that our imagination would be under the control of the Holy Spirit today and we would get a fresh revelation of the cross of Jesus Christ and the love that has been poured out on us. So I'm going to tell you either... While I read this quote, you can close your eyes and ask God to give you a vision of what the cross actually secured or read this quote slowly with me. It's going to be a full screen because I, I want to hide behind the reality of the cross this morning. As I read this quote for us, let's use our imagination. Let's gather around the cross almost 2,000 years ago and see what it meant that he laid down his life for us. So let me read this for us. O heir of heaven, that's you and me, believer. Lift your eyes and behold the scenes of suffering through which your Lord passed for your sake. Come in the moonlight and stand between those olives. See him sweat great drops of blood. Go from that garden and follow him to Pilate's bar. See your master subjected to the grossest and filthiest insult. Gaze upon the face of spotless beauty defiled with the spittle of soldiers. See his head pierced with thorns. Mark his back all rent and torn and scarred and bruised and bleeding beneath the terrible lash. And, O Christian, see him Go and stand where his mother stood and hear him say to you, Man, behold your Savior. Come tonight and stand where John stood. Hear him cry, I thirst. And find yourself unable to assuage his griefs or to comprehend their bitterness. O love insatiable, Though he had given up one hand to cancel sin and the other hand to reconcile us to God 
and had given up one foot that we might have our sinful feet forever transfixed and nailed and fastened never to wander and the other foot to be fastened to the tree that we might have our feet at liberty to run the heavenly race. And there was nothing left but his poor heart. And he gave up his heart too. And they set it a brooch with the spear. And forthwith there came out blood and water. Lord Jesus, I never knew your love until I understood the meaning of your death. See what love the Father has lavished upon us that we might be called children of God. And with that image in mind, John, the one who was at the foot of the cross, by the way, with that understanding and that image just ingrained in his mind, he continues and says, well, how do I actually love like that? We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters. I'm sorry, what? that's what real love looks like and you want me to love like that? And I'm telling, this invitation, this call from John, this invitation of Jesus, it is a high call. It is not an easy call. The cross teaches us many lessons and I pray today one of the lessons that is pouring out on somebody is that you have a great need of salvation, that God loves you so much that he would go through that to secure you, to say, I love you. But for those of us who have received salvation, I am begging that the cross would teach us another lesson today and is that we are meant to go and love like that. Listen, I'm, I'm not trying, this is a hard lesson. Try prepping to preach a message like this. Some of us got to go to a conference last weekend And we're in one of these worship sets and I'm praying through this and I'm praying for you and I'm praying that I would carry it rightly and I'm telling you the conviction of the Holy Spirit that fell on me to present this message with humility. But the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, for love to be love, it cannot be about you. That's what Jesus showed us. That's what John is inviting us to. That's what the apostles saw in Jesus and then said, I have to love like that. It's what emboldened them. Love is what emboldened them. It's what made them capable of preaching the message. I'm telling you, if you're walking around in your faith scared or insecure or feeling like you're holding on to hatred and bitterness like a, like a badge of honor instead of the love of Jesus, I'm telling you, it's because you haven't had a fresh revelation of the love that's been poured out on us. And I'm telling you, the only way to love like this, to learn to love like this, is to love like this. Y'all know, you don't meet Jesus and then all of a sudden you're just like, all I want to do is give up my life. I can't help myself. I never want anything for me. 
No. This is not a call to one dramatic act of selflessness. This is a call to daily lay down. That phrasing there, lay down, is the same kind of phrasing used that when we talked about it when Dan preached that Jesus laid aside his garments to wash the disciples' feet. It was a laying down of his rights, a laying down of his authority, a laying down of his opinions, a laying down of his high position and saying, no, I'm going to love. Selfless, sacrificial. And I believe it's that lifestyle that made him even capable to lay down his life on the cross. If there's anybody in here, you're not a believer yet, and you're like, this is a lot. (laughs) Good news. I just want to tell you first off, this is a house test, Christians. We We didn't even got to loving your enemies. That's another message for another day. John is saying, love one another like that. Inside the house, me and you. Christian to Christian, saint to saint. And I got to tell you, there are no excused absences from loving like this. The command to love comes with no caveats. But what about love one another? You don't see what they... Love one another. They abandoned me. Jesus, who knows what it is to be abandoned, says, love one another. Did you hear what they said about me? Jesus said... They said it about me too as they spit in my face. Love one another. So here's my question for us today. What excuses you from this kind of love? When I say the love one another, what's the the event or the person that pops into your head? And I could go through a list of options right now, but I'm just going to share mine, okay? Confession, these are my confessions, okay? Y'all didn't know this was a musical. Surprise! One of my big ones, what excuses me from this kind of love is I just get overwhelmed. Do you know what I'm saying? There's like always a cause to pick up, always a crisis Always like, honestly, in a church this size, like always someone to help. And I'm like, you kind of get frozen with just the sheer mass of gaps of love that we're invited to fill. But I was really encouraged by this quote I read by C.S. Lewis, Lewis that says this, loving everybody in general may be an excuse for loving nobody in particular. I'm not saying go out and now every human you meet, don't freak people out. How can I lay down my life for you? And they're like, get away from me. <laughs> but there's a coworker, there's a neighbor. Sometimes it'd be the people in your own house that are the hardest. And Jesus just says, tomorrow when you wake up, Ask that I give you another revelation of how I love you because it is that love that will empower you to go and love one another. If anything you hear me saying is, I will do more and I will love better and I will pick up more burdens, you're hearing the wrong message. When we understand 
what a sacrificial love secured for us? What do I have to lose by loving people like that? Nothing. But I have everything to gain when I behold the cross of Jesus Christ. And what was secured for me? Why would I not want to go out and live in the overflow of that love and bring people to the cross of Jesus Christ and go, look, look what he did. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. It was my pain he carried, my sin he bore, and yet I esteemed him not. Look at this kind of love. Receive this kind of love too. So the invitation remains today, church. Beloved of God, love one another. This is the free life. This is the fun life. That when we show up to church, I'm not actually looking for you to fill something for me. I'm looking how I can fulfill something for you. And as I'm showing up looking how I can fulfill something for you, and you're looking to see how you could fulfill something for somebody else, guess what happens? We all get filled. But if we keep coming in and saying things like, I'm not sitting by that person. I'm not forgiving that person. That message didn't do anything for me. I'm just, can I just say this? Maybe the message wasn't for you. Maybe it was for your neighbor. Maybe they just got their world rocked. Praise God. I didn't like that worship song. We weren't worshiping you. Also, if you don't like worship songs, write some. I'm not, I don't say that cutting. I'm saying like, more songs, please. <sighs> Beloved of God, love one another. And no, I'm not saying this. God knows as someone who has it perfect. But the reason there's no I can make up on today, and the reason I can't stop crying, is because I'm desperate to love like this, to love you like this, so that when the world looks in on us, they go, that is real love. Where'd you get it? And we can point to the cross. Amen? So here's what we're about to do. A campus leader's going to come out and lead us through a time of response. And I'm going to say, some of us do need to repent. There's been like a bitterness or a hatred or a burden. I'm saying come down to the front, use it as an altar, and pour that out before God and ask him to fill you with love once again. But the main invitation I want to give is to believers who are coming forward in communion. Remember, it's not just Welch's or an oyster cracker. We are remembering that Jesus tore real flesh poured out real blood to not just remember the salvation he's given us, but to remember that through that salvation, we are united to one another. Some of you may have not looked another human being in the eye this week. And I encourage you, come to communion, look a brother or sister in the eye and remember together because he loved us, I get to love you. And there's some people in the room, I'm going to invite you during worship. If you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is a cross at every campus. Do whatever you can to get to it. 
see what love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Amen? So let me pray for us, and then a campus leader will be out to lead us through response. Oh, the depths and the riches and the goodness of God. He who did not spare his own son, will he not graciously give us all things? Holy Spirit, do whatever you need to do. And we praise you, Jesus. We thank you for your life laid down. We thank you for your blood poured out. We thank you that you made a way for it to even be possible for us to know what real love is. That you empower us now by the Holy Spirit to love one another just like that. Come now and have your way, God. We need you. We want to leave different. We want to leave with a different perspective. We want to leave with a different heart. We don't want to carry bitterness anymore. We don't want to carry hatred anymore. God, we don't want to carry numbness anymore. Would you pour out emotions in this next song as we sing? Man. Father, how you love us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Empower us now to love one another. In Jesus' name, amen.